This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 78, A Counterfeit Kerfuffle. Last time, Karna was made General of the Karva Army and served in that role for the 16th day of the battle. Despite his usual boasting, very little was accomplished that day. To explain why he had failed to live up to his promises, Karna complained that while he and Arjun were well matched, Arjun had the advantage because of his superior charioteer, Krishna that is. Duryodhana still had faith in his champion, so he sought out the best driver they had, who happened to be King Shalya of the Madras. If you recall, Shalya wasn't even supposed to be fighting on the Karva side. He had come out with his army to support the Pandavas, but was fooled into switching sides just before the war began. Shalya of the Madras was Madri's brother, thus the king was uncle to Nakul and Sahadev. Shalya felt bad for having to fight against his own nephews, but Yudhishthira gave him leave to do so. He did, however, foresee that eventually Shalya would be recruited as Karna's driver, so he requested that his good uncle do them the favor of stirring up trouble with Karna to help them throw him off his game. We saw the first fruits of that promise last time, as Shalya drove Karna out to the battlefield. The pair bickered like an old married couple the whole way out until Duryodhana stepped in to make them cut it out. I find it strange that it was while hurling insults at one another, Karna finally decided to tell the story of how he studied with Rama Jamadagnya in the guise of a Brahmin. After all, this did not put Karna in a good light, and he revealed the fatal weakness in his command of the Brahma weapon. He had been given the weapon, but had also been cursed that it would fail him when he needed it the most. But at least we finally got to this story. There had been hints and references to this incident going back several books, and I began to wonder if they were ever going to reveal the details of that episode. And so it was that, on the morning of the 17th day of the war, Karna led the Karava army into battle, with Shalya as his driver. As they engaged with the enemy, Shalya warned Karna of Arjun's approach. He said, Wow, look at Arjun over there, overwhelming his enemies. There's just a trail of decapitated bodies behind him. Those headless kings didn't even know what hit them. My god, he's just mowing down the elephants and men that tried to resist him. You better look out, because that guy is unstoppable. Karna ignored all of this but he also did not go after Arjun. Instead, he attacked Yudhishthira. Fortunately, Bhima was nearby, so he attacked Karna's bodyguard as a sort of diversion. Bhima hit Karna with 73 arrows, and the 74th arrow removed the head of Karna's son, Bhanusena. But perhaps Yudhishthira did not need any help, because the Dhammaraja flared up and appeared to glow with a sacred fire as he sent a single arrow into Karna's left side. Karna lost his senses and fell to the floor of his chariot. It says Yudhishthira refrained from killing him on the spot because Karna's life belonged to Arjun alone. Karna soon recovered, however, and he directed his ire against some lesser opponents, killing numerous Panchalas. Yudhishthira soon returned, however, and the pair fought again for a while. This time, Karna managed to disarm the Pandava and was soon in hot pursuit, about to capture Yudhishthira. It says that Karna purified himself by touching Yudhishthira on the shoulder. But then he recalled the promise he'd made to Kunti and let Yudhishthira go. Remember, he had promised his birth mother that he would only kill Arjun and would spare her other sons. Shalya didn't miss a beat, however. He laughed and said, It's a good thing you didn't catch him or you would have been roasted on the spot. Karna ignored him and taunted Yudhishthira instead. He said, Run away, little boy. Go back to your mama and leave the fight into real men. And tell her you're only alive because I let you go. Elsewhere, the fighting grew so fierce and the number of dead warriors so great that people witnessed a vast celestial army of Apsaras flying down to retrieve the souls of the dead warriors. The fighters on both sides paused momentarily to witness this amazing sight, but then, now confident of their place in heaven, they resumed fighting even harder than before. 
The blood of the dead and injured formed into rivulets and streams, making a river of blood that carried away the bodies and drowned some unlucky soldiers. Bhima had seen Yudhishthira's narrow escape, so he sent Satyaki and Dristadyumna to protect his brother while he set out to kill Karna. Shalya noticed Bhima's advance and warned Karna, saying, Oh crap, here comes Bhima and he looks really pissed off. I don't think I've ever seen him look this angry. He must be thinking of your disgraceful behavior at the dice game. Karna said, Let him come. If he gets close enough, I'll kill him, and that will be sure to bring Arjun around so I can kill him too. Now keep your eyes on the road and take me to him. Things did not quite go as Karna planned, however. He started off well, disarming his opponent, but Beam had plenty of spare weapons. He struck Beam with a number of arrows, but Beam returned just one well-directed shot, which knocked Karna to the floor unconscious. Perhaps also out of consideration for Arjun, Bhima did not follow through with the coup de grace. Instead, he left Karna there and turned to fight with others. When Sanjay described this incident to Dhritarashtra, the king said, You know, my son told me again and again that Karna was the man who would kill all the Pandavas. How did my son react when he found out Bhima won so easily? Sanjay said, When he saw Karna lose face in that duel, he directed his brothers to ride out and rescue Karna. Duryodhana dispatched 20 of his remaining brothers to save Karna and defeat Bhima. He could not have sent a better gift to his cousin, however. Bhima happily killed the first two who came at him, and the other 18 turned tail and fled. Meanwhile, Arjun was tied up in a duel with Drona's son, Ashvataman. The boy Brahmin performed pretty well. Even the celestial onlookers gathered around to admire the boy's attack. Arjun was also quite impressed, but Krishna, struck with one too many of the boy's arrows, got annoyed. He complained to Arjun, What's going on here? You're letting him walk all over you. I know you're better than this. Stop admiring him and treating him as your guru's son and do your job. Arjun had long ago stopped questioning Krishna's advice. He just stepped it up a bit and soon had Ashvataman engulfed in deadly arrows. Badly wounded, Ashvataman was saved by his judicious charioteer, who drove him out of range before they both got killed. Seeing his best champions beaten back, Duryodhana tried to raise their spirits somewhat by declaring that soon the sacrifice would be over. They shall either win the earth and all its riches, or win paradise and immortality. Probably to save face a bit, Ashvataman turned his attention to Dristid Yumna. He recalled how his father had laid down his arms before the Panchala prince rudely beheaded him, and then he swore an oath. He said, I shall not remove my armor until I have killed Dristid Yumna, and if I fail, may I never see paradise. Everyone cheered again, and they resumed the fight. Karna went after Yudhishthira and the twins, while Bhima fought with Duryodhana. Karna killed Yudhishthira's guard of 500 men and badly wounded the king. Nakul and Sahadev both rushed over to protect their brother, but even combined they could not stop Karna. He destroyed their chariots, forcing the three brothers to climb aboard one chariot. Karna pursued them, but Shalya objected. He said, Why are you wasting time with these three? Arjun is waiting for you. Karna ignored him and continued to harry the three Pandavas. Shalya then said, Look, over there, Bhima's kicking your master's butt. But if you hope to save your lord, you better help him out quick. Karna turned to notice that Duryodhana indeed was rather hard-pressed by Bhima. So he broke off the chase and went to save his king. As for the brothers, Sahadev drove the other two back to camp, where Yudhishthira collapsed into a bed. It says that the shame of his defeat hurt more than the barbs removed from his body. Always in command, he ordered his brothers back to the battle to look after their brother Bhima. The scene then changes to a duel between Arjun and Ashvataman. As we've seen before, at first Drona's son pressed in with the advantage. 
He hit Krishna with lots of arrows, and everyone was much impressed. Then Arjun responded with explosive power, killing many bystanders, and cut away Ashvataman's horses from his chariot, forcing the boy Brahman to scramble for cover. The defeat of Drona's son sparked a panic among the Karvas, and they began to flee. Karna turned things around by firing off whole clouds of missiles from his Vijaya bow. This sent the Pandavas fleeing back to their defenses. Arjun watched this and exclaimed, Wow, Krishna, he's got quite a bow there. I don't see how we're going to deal with that. Krishna said, Karna has badly injured your brother the king. Go to your brother now, and after that, you will kill Karna. This begins a new chapter called The Dispute of Arjun and Yudhishthira. And even before we get into it, I have to tell you that the whole chapter seems completely bogus to me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time arguing my case because, frankly, this chapter doesn't deserve that much attention. I'll just say from the start that I think the whole thing feels contrived and the dialogue is totally out of character. You'll see what I mean as we get into it. The chapter begins with Arjun and Krishna's arrival back at the camp to check on the king's health. When Yudhishthira saw them coming, for some reason he assumed that they must have just come back from killing Karna. He didn't bother asking them if it were true or not. He just went into a long speech praising Arjun and denouncing Karna. Yudhishthira revealed that his defeat at Karna's hands had really bothered him. He said, For the past 13 years I've been terrified of Karna. I could not sleep night or day out of fear for him. I'm burning up with hatred for him. It seems everywhere I look I see Karna. He whined, No one has ever treated me like this. I don't see a reason to go on living now that Karna has wounded me so badly. Yudhishthira then dredged up all of Karna's past misdeeds, using epithets such as wretched, malicious, evil, conceited, and sutputra. He went on, Did you kill that vile man, Duryodhana's boastful friend? Was it that evil man you killed? That fool Karna who constantly bragged, I'm going to kill Palguna? Did you kill that charioteer's wrathful and stupid son? I don't know about you, but I've never heard Yudhishthira speak like this about anyone, let alone his own half-brother. Arjun replied defensively, explaining all the great things he'd been doing all day, and he'd just not gotten around to killing Karna yet, but the day was still young. Uncharacteristically, Yudhishthira got really mad at Arjun. He said, Our army is falling to pieces, boy. You got scared and abandoned your brothers to hide in the camp because you couldn't kill Karna. I remember you promised to kill him, and if you hadn't made that false promise, then maybe I would have made other plans about handling this war. Why did you lead us to this point if you're going to renege on your promise? We've made all our plans based on what you said you could and could not do, and now look at us. We're all screwed. Oh, Krishna, my life is ruined. If only Abhimanyu or Gatukkacha were still around, they could have saved us. I know, why don't you hand over your Gandava bow to Krishna? Let him be my champion, and you be the driver. I wish you weren't born, then we wouldn't be retreating from battle now. Damn you, damn your fancy bow, and damn your magic chariot. Sorry for the awful melodrama, but that's what it says. After hearing his brother's harsh words, Arjun angrily drew his sword. Krishna said, hold on there. Arjun hissed, I made a secret vow to behead anyone who ordered me to give my bow to someone else. And that's what he just said. You heard him, so now I'm going to stick this king who relies on others to fight his battles. But don't worry, once I've killed him, I'll be fine. Noticing Krishna's disapproval, he said, what do you think I should do? Krishna's answer strikes me as rather uninspired. He said, how can you kill your older brother as if he were some ordinary man? The killing of non-combatants, non-enemies, fleeing soldiers, someone who has surrendered, or someone who is distracted, these killings are not respected by good people. 
and all these apply to your good brother at the moment. You were just a dumb kid when you made that vow, and now you think it justifies killing your brother. I think what Krishna says next might provide a clue to the purpose of this strange encounter. He said, I will explain to you the secret teaching of Dharma, as Bhishma would teach it, or Yudhishthira, or Vidur, or Kunti. Krishna then gave a short lecture on truth-telling. Basically, he explained that being true to one's word is mostly better than lying, but there are occasions when it is better to forego a promise or an oath, such as Arjun's. Arjun was impressed. He said, Wow, you are so smart. I realize now that to kill him would be pointless, but still, I've got to do something about this oath. Tell me what to do. Krishna had just the trick for him. He said, Your brother only spoke to you like that in order to make you angry. He figured if you were extra angry, you'd have a better chance against Karna. Even so, your vow can be preserved. Your brother can meet death now while still remaining alive. You see, when someone deserving honor receives honor, he remains living in the world. But when he receives grave disrespect, he is said to be dead, though he still lives. So here's all you have to do. Just direct a little contempt at him. Just address him with the informal thou, and you'll kill him good enough. Arjun listened intently, thanked Krishna for his kind advice, and then yelled at his brother, using language that no one had ever dared utter to the Dharma Raja. He said, As for you, brother, hold your tongue. You have no right to criticize me while you are hiding in your tent. Only Beam may scold me, because what he wants he takes himself. He does not depend on others to settle his conflicts. They say the power of Brahmins is in their words, and the Kshatriya's power is in their arms. But your words are powerful and cruel. Bhishma allowed us to kill him for your sake, and it was I who did the killing, again for your sake. I don't even think you should claim this kingdom, considering your gambling addiction. After casually throwing away our lands and titles at a dice game, you ask others to win it back for you. You know, our life has been constant misery since you took up dice playing, and now you berate me. It is because of you that so many warriors have been annihilated and lie dismembered on the field. The source of this disaster all lies with you, my lord, so don't try to provoke me with cruel and insulting words. After saying this to his older brother, Arjun again drew his sword. This time he intended to kill himself. Arjun lamented that now he had spoken so disrespectfully to Yudhishthira, he could not go on living. Krishna again intervened and said, Listen to me. If you kill yourself, you'll find a hell more terrible than if you had killed your brother. But just as you effectively killed your brother with your speech, you can effectively kill yourself. Just brag about your merits and you'll have killed yourself. Arjun agreed to this and made a brief speech about how great he was and that he would kill Karna by the end of the day. He concluded saying, Today either Vatsuta's mother shall lose your son, or Kunti will lose me. I shall not remove my armor until Karna is dead. He then knelt at his brother's feet and said, Please forgive me my harsh words. Yudhishthira then climbed from his bed and said, You should cut my head off right now. I should not have spoken to you like that. I am the ruin of our family. I am evil, simple-minded, cowardly, and disrespectful. You would be better off without me. Make Bhima your king. At this point, the scene is like a parody of the Mahabharata. As if the brothers were a pair of imbeciles, Krishna again intervened and re-explained the whole ridiculous scenario. He said that Arjun only said such cruel words as a way around his oath to kill whoever told him to give up his bow. And now everything was equalized, so they should just forgive and forget. The parody ended just as you'd expect. Both Arjun and Yudhishthira recognized the wisdom of Krishna's words, thanked him for his sage advice, and then they reconciled with each other, 
with Arjun again swearing that he'd kill Karna that very day. This ended a rather spurious chapter. I'm sure you'll agree with me that the whole encounter seems contrived and the arguments completely out of character. I suspect that this chapter was added to the epic a long time ago, but it just doesn't sound like something Vyasa himself would have written. I'm not aware of any other instance where Yudhishthira hurled such insults at anyone, nor is there any indication that he lived in constant fear of Karna until this very conversation. The brothers have always shown incredible solidarity through so much hardship that it's completely out of character that the most noble of the brothers would fall out over such a ridiculous misunderstanding. My guess is that this chapter was added for purely didactic purposes, long after the epic was composed. Here's my theory of how it got inserted into the epic. Imagine a time after the epic was written and had already become a source of wisdom to later Hindu princes. Judging from later Indian history, it would not have been uncommon for a king to have a younger brother who fought his wars for him. I imagine a scenario in which the younger brother had a falling out with his brother the prince, and probably justified it by some oath he'd made at one time or another. The courtiers would have been horrified at the prospect of a civil war or coup d'etat, so they went looking for a way to resolve this disagreement. Miraculously, they produced a chapter from the Mahabharata that addressed exactly that sort of problem, and they had no less an authority than Krishna to show them the way out. The biggest clue that this is a forgery is when Krishna claims that his teaching is endorsed by Bhishma, Vidur, Yudhishthira, and Kunti. Where else in the epic have we seen Krishna calling on the authority of others to make his point? It's never happened. I think our counterfeiters were gilding the lily, as it were, in case Krishna's word alone were insufficient to convince their masters. These supposed courtiers may have been well-meaning by inventing this little interlude, but they certainly were no Vyasa. They really failed to capture the real character of our heroes, and the result looks like a gross parody of the rest of the epic. Thankfully, things return to normal as Arjun returns to battle to finish off Karna. But first, Bhima has a score to settle with Dushasan. If hair and blood were major themes in Draupadi's humiliation, these themes will come back again as part of Draupadi's revenge. Thanks for listening.